You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Until the time was right, no one could lay a hand on Jesus. There would come a time. There would come a time in John 12, 23, exactly when Jesus says, my hour has come. Up until that time, no one could touch him. How many times have we said in our study of Samuel that no one can thwart the plan of God? Nothing will thwart the plan of God, whether it's in your life, my life, or others' lives, nothing will thwart the plan of God. There have probably been many times in your life when you've attempted to make your own plans, only to discover that God had different ones. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that no one can change what God has planned. So rather than fight Him, why not surrender and trust that His ways are better? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he continues his message, Speculations and Perceptions. intimidated by this guy, just a carpenter's son. What's he know? Who's he supposed to be? They were making these poor judgments about him. They made speculations and false perceptions. Although Jesus continued to tell him where he came from, tell them who sent him, they continued not to believe because they couldn't. Their eyes were blinded. Their hearts were hardened. They believed in their law their traditions, and nothing was going to sway them from that belief. They had made up their minds. They thought they knew where he was from. Look at verse 27. However, we know where this man is from. But when Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. No one knows where he's from. They vaguely grasped the mystery of who this Jesus was. They were caught in the religious box. And their view of Jesus was tainted because of their religion. They didn't know this. They gleaned from it. The next group of people we see are the crowds that have gathered for the feast. And as we studied, they were already misled and misguided by the religious leaders. There was confusion. There was sharp disagreement amongst them. Some said, he's a good man. Others would say, oh, no, 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 he's a deceiver. So there was sharp division. When Jesus asked the Jews why they were trying to kill them, the crowd thought he had a demon. Oh, he's demon-possessed. What they were really saying was, this guy's crazy. This guy's mad. This guy's insane. He's lost his nut. They were ignorant of the plot to kill Jesus. Some of them were. Others wondered if Jesus was indeed the man that they were trying to kill. Go back to verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? This led to more speculation. This must be the Messiah. They're not trying to take him. They're not trying to kill him. If they're really trying to kill him, he's right there. Why don't they take him? This must be the Messiah. Many of them, the Jews, believed that the Messiah would suddenly appear. They believed in Malachi 3, verse 1. And it says that God's messenger will come suddenly into the temple. 
So they believed that the Messiah would just miraculously appear before them. No way would the Messiah just be a man, a lowly man at that, someone from Nazareth. They They couldn't even begin to believe that. Jesus can't be the Messiah because he, we know where he's from. So the debate continues. See, in Isaiah 53, when they read it, it gives the interpretation that no one's supposed to know where the Messiah comes from. And that's how they're taking it. They're taking that interpretation. Because they knew Jesus' parents, oh, so they thought. They knew where he was from, so he couldn't be the Messiah. No way could he be the Messiah. Did they not know that he was born in Bethlehem, according to the prophecies? Did they not know that? No. They only saw him as Jesus of Nazareth. What did Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Their perception made them prejudice. Their perception made them prejudice towards Jesus. The only one who was not confused about Jesus (laughs) was Jesus. He was the only one who wasn't confused about him. He knew who he was, he knew very, very well who he was. Guzik said this, quote, the crowds were perhaps confused about where the Messiah would come from, but Jesus knew exactly where he came from. Jesus was not a confused man wondering if he was really the son of God. He didn't go around thinking, am I really the son of God? What's going on here? No, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. And as you read verses 28 and 29, Jesus once again declares his deity. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. He had already told them that he was from God. He already claimed that God was his father. He already claimed equality with God, and this drove them nuts. To them, this was blasphemy. How could a man say that he was God's son? How can he say that? Well, Jesus was saying it. They speculated. They made these false perceptions about the Messiah, so they did not believe. So what's the next best thing? Let's arrest them. That's the next best thing. Let's arrest them. But they couldn't. You know, you've got to love Jesus' confidence in here. He's been in the temple now for quite a while. He's been teaching them boldly in the temple. And everybody else was confused. Everybody else was wondering what was going on. He never hesitated. He continued to come right at him with the truth. He came right, here it is. Here's the truth. If you don't like it, tough. Here it comes. I think this is a good example of great preaching. We need to come at each other with the truth. Because the truth is going to set you free, not what you think I should say, or what you think I should feel how you feel. You know how you feel about me, and I feel about you, and you feel about others. Sometimes the truth is hard for us to hear. Sometimes it's difficult for us to hear. Truth cuts right to our heart, and sometimes we have to see the truth, and then we have to do something about the truth. And it's difficult. Jesus knew who sent him. Jesus knew he was headed to a cross, so he spoke with boldness. In verse 30, we see they tried to take him. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because it wasn't his hour yet. Once again, Jesus' time hasn't got here. It's interesting. Notice that the religious leaders couldn't argue with Jesus. They couldn't get their point across. They didn't want to argue with him. So what did they do? They resorted to violence. Sounds familiar? Sounds familiar. It happens today. It happens today. We're not going to argue with you. We're just going to beat the snot out of you until you agree with us. We'll make you agree with us. If you don't agree with us, we'll make you do that. 
Until the time was right, no one could lay a hand on Jesus. There would come a time. There would come a time in John 12, 23, exactly when Jesus says, my hour has come. Up until that time, no one could touch him. How many times have we said in our study of Samuel that no one can thwart the plan of God? Nothing will thwart the plan of God, whether it's in your life, my life, or others' lives. Nothing will thwart the plan of God. These speculations and these perceptions caused great confusions, not only among the people, but among the religious leaders. There was great perceptions. And when they responded, they responded in three different ways. They responded in three different ways. And I want to look at these ways. As we go back all the way to back to verse 20, it says, the people answered and said, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Why, why do the people seek to kill me was Jesus' question. And the crowd said, you're mad. You're insane. They dismissed him. You must be a mental case. We know no one's trying to kill you. And if someone's trying to kill you, why haven't they taken you? Why haven't they come and arrested you? They were curious about that. The people had a hard time believing what he taught. They thought it to be hard doctrine. They were confused about Jesus, even though he had told them time and time and time again. That's response number one. Response number two is we knew that the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jews wanted to kill him. They wanted nothing more than to get rid of Jesus. They were extremely hostile towards him. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to take him out. They were in the religious box, and their response was based on their religion. He violated one of their laws. These religious guys were so vexed by what he said, they couldn't explain it. But I believe deep in their hearts they knew the truth. I believe deep in their hearts they knew the truth, but the reason that they didn't like Jesus is because they were too arrogant and prideful to admit it. They were too arrogant and prideful to admit it. You know, our arrogance and our pride can get into a lot of trouble when we're trying to come to the Lord. We're trying to know the things of the Lord. Their response was based on prejudicial attitudes towards Jesus. The more Jesus spoke the truth, the more they wanted to get rid of him. Neither group believed that Jesus was the Messiah because they knew where he was from. They knew his mom and dad. They knew the town. Thus, the response was also based on prejudice. And this is what speculation and false perception does. You build up a prejudice towards a person, towards someone. To be prejudiced simply means to have a preconceived judgment or opinion about something or someone. It's an adverse opinion. It's opinion that's bad. It leads formed without grounds, without justice, without sufficient knowledge. So you have those who thought he was crazy, you have those who wanted to kill him, and there is a third group. Third group, look at verse 31. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Many believed him. They felt that the Messiah could not do any greater deeds than what Jesus has already accomplished so Jesus must be the Messiah. Any man capable of doing the miracles that he did must be the, the Messiah. As Jesus spoke, these people's hearts were opened. They were drawn to him. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When Jesus spoke the word of God, they were drawn to him. Their eyes were opened. Their hearts were opened. They received. Anybody who is capable of doing miracles like this must be the Messiah. Which response do you fit in? Where's your response to Jesus? You know, 
as I study, I come across all kinds of information, and you got to glean through the information as to what it is and how it fits. But do you know that the Bible records over 2,000 different responses to Jesus? Over 2,000 different responses to Jesus and who he is? The vast majority, over 97% of them, are negative responses. Over 97% of them are negative responses. In today's society, we are faced with the same responses. We're all faced with the exact same response, and I call them the popular response. And as I was studying this, this came to me. And I said, well, I think it'll fit. Let's look at response number one. The people thought he was what? Crazy. They thought he was mad. They thought he was insane. Maybe he had a demon. How do the people view followers of Jesus Christ? We have a television personality who declared that our vice president is insane because he talks to Jesus. Not only does he talk to Jesus, but he hears from Jesus. So he must be crazy. It's the exact same thing. Preconceived speculation about something that they know nothing of. Have you ever seen the TV shows? And there's a Christian on the TV show? He's always, or she's always the buffoon, or the mass murderer, or the guy who's a pedophile, or the guy who this or that or whatever. Anytime you see Christians on TV in various shows, they always come across as mad. They always come across as crazy or weird. Why would anybody want to be a part of that? That's the whole point that they're trying to get across. So I see response number one. They think we're crazy. People think we're crazy when we trust in an invisible God. There were some people that I know in Germany in the late 90s, and they were given these IQ tests, and they were all born-again Christians. So they took the IQ tests and answered them as they would as a born-again Christian. When the doctors read the answers to their IQ tests, they called them in and were seriously worried about their mental capabilities. Doctors thought they were cuckoo. Doctors thought they were nuts. This is the response, folks. This is a response today. This is one of the popular responses. Oh, those Christians, they're crazy. They're nuts. Response number two. What was response number two? Well, response number two was the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to take Jesus out of the picture altogether. You don't have to look very far to see this, folks. You got a group over in the Middle East called ISIS that are going around and every single monument or every single thing that is related to Christianity, they're wiping it out. They're taking it completely apart and throwing it away. Okay, too far away? Step into the United States of America. God love our country. There's a thing up right now. There is something going on right now that if it is passed, they are going to have to remove, yes, remove, all of the crosses in Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a city that has this great big cross that was donated to them by a certain family who has the names of those who were deceased from that city in World War I. They just lost the fight, and they got to take that cross down. Let's get rid of this Jesus person. Let's get rid of him altogether. If we move it completely away, nobody will ever know that he was around. We get rid of him. Isn't this what Gamaliel said? 
Don't you remember when the disciples were pulled before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts? What was Gamaliel's response? Well, you know, this one guy, I forget what his name was. I think his name was Justice or Judas or something like that. You know, this one guy, he had followers. Well, you know, he, he stopped following. We got rid of him and his followers went away. His very words, Gamaliel says, if this is of God, it will last. Speaking of Jesus, praise God. You see that all the time. We have religious leaders, folks, in this nation who preach a soft gospel. I've said this before. They preach a gospel that doesn't include sin, doesn't include repentance, and it doesn't include consequences. They preach a soft gospel. And now they're saying that the cross was of no effect. They're trying to make you believe that the cross was actually a defeat for Jesus and not a victory for us. This is what's being taught. These are the religious leaders who are in the religious box. The same religious leaders who are in the same religious box who want to take the Bible and make it gender neutral. No more claim God as a he. They want to take it, make it gender neutral. This is happening in our lifetime, folks. It's happening before our eyes. This is response number two. Get rid of it. There's groups in this nation who want to divest us of all things Jesus. They want to take it away and remove it. That's response number two. So you're either crazy or we're going to remove you. Group out to rid the world of Christianity. Notice, notice also, just like the religious leaders, when they couldn't handle the truth, they resort to hostility also. They also resort to violence. Nothing's changed over all these years. Nothing's changed. Somebody gets in your way. Somebody says something you don't understand. Somebody says something you don't like. Let's get rid of them. That's what's happening. And then there's response number three. There are those who believe. And there are those who are standing up for Christianity in the most unusual places. We have NFL football players, instead of taking a knee in protest, take two knees in prayer at the end of the game. And television used to show it. Now they don't even show it. Now they keep from it. But I love it when they put a microphone in front of somebody's face and they give glory to God through Jesus Christ and they actually say the name of Jesus before they can edit it. But you have people doing that now. We have true believers in this nation who are starting to stand up and be counted, standing up for the Lord, just like they did back then. The same three responses, folks. People thought they were insane. People tried to kill him. And people believed. People believed in Jesus Christ. Didn't matter to Jesus that they opposed him or wanted to kill him. He continued to preach the good news of the kingdom. He continued to preach the gospel. His message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent before the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus saw the public and they heard what he was saying about him and it didn't bother him. He never hesitated. He never missed the beat. The clear logic they had was when Christ comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? This is a fair question. This is a fair question. For what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? Can anyone match what Jesus has done? Can anyone do more miracles than Jesus? Can anyone teach with more insight or more authority than Jesus? Can anyone suffer with more courage than Jesus suffered on that cross? Can anyone atone for the sins of mankind more than Jesus did? Can anyone raise from the dead with more triumph than Jesus Christ? Can anyone ascend to heaven in greater glory than Jesus Christ? Can anyone present a better gospel than Jesus Christ? 
Can anybody change lives better than Jesus Christ? Can anyone take you out of addiction better than Jesus Christ? Can anyone comfort a grief-stricken heart better than Jesus Christ? Can anyone heal a broken heart better than Jesus Christ? Can anyone triumph over tyrants better than Jesus Christ? Can anyone gain more followers than Jesus Christ? No. The answer is no. No. Because no one can, nor will anyone ever be able to do what Jesus did. He will never be able to be equaled. He will never be able to be imitated. Jesus did it because he loved us, because that was why he was sent. And he deserves all our confidence, he deserves all our life, and he deserves all our faith. Some of them responded in amazement, but they didn't believe in their hearts. Some responded in blasphemy. They sarcastically lampooned him. Some responded by placing their belief, their faith, and their trust, and their hope in the God-man, Jesus Christ. For in him was eternal life. The life was in him. In him. The Bible makes it clear there are no other ways to get to God. There's only one way to get to God the Father. And that begins and ends with the cross. It begins and ends with the cross. We need to respond by faith to Jesus Christ. You have three choices of response, folks. Three choices of response. Which one are you taking today? Which one are you responding to? Which one are you a part of? Which group can we add you in? If you're in any of the other groups except those that believe with all your heart, with all your might, we need to talk. We need to have a nice conversation about what it is you're believing in and what it is to hang up that keeps you from going all in, from going all in to Jesus Christ. We need to have this talk. If it's a religion, if it's the religious box, Christ has come to set you free. He's come to set you free from that. He's come to pave the way for salvation. No longer do you have to do works to get saved. It's not a matter of what you can do. It's a matter of what he did. Where's your response? What response do you give to Christ when you're called upon this, when this comes face to face with you? Which group do you identify with? It's important. This fight has been going on for over 2,000 years, and it will continue until Christ comes to take us home. It'll continue until Christ comes for his church. How are you responding today? And that's how I'm going to leave it with you. How are you responding today? What is your response to these questions? Where do you fit? Which group? My prayer, you are one of those that have placed all your belief in Jesus Christ, all your hope in Jesus Christ, and all your trust in Jesus Christ. That you're not hanging on to some sort of religion or religious background to get you into heaven. That you're certainly not one of those who doesn't want any part of Jesus, doesn't want him in your life, doesn't want him anywhere around you, and agrees with those people who don't want him anywhere. I pray that that's not you. I pray that that's not you. If it is... We need to talk, and we need to pray. And you need to trust in God through Jesus Christ. Trust in Him with all your heart. Believe in Him. You need to pray that you will be quickened in your heart about who Jesus is. You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. But the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.